0: I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. We've set aside 21 days of prayer fasting, but we have renewed a fire um, towards prayer in... That word of life. And Pastor Daniel talked about this, I think the first service of 2022, um, that we are renewing that fire and changing some of the way that we're thinking. I'm here to tell you this, that what we're experiencing on Sunday morning, um, the la- especially the last two weeks and the move of God and just the real personal and powerful move of God is a direct result of our renewed passion and fire towards prayer. I, I firmly believe that, and as we continue, then God's just going to continue to move and move and move. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I want to talk uh, today just a little bit before we get started. Um, I do want to say that our bridge class, our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, they would normally be going to class right now, but, um, but you guys are on a serve week, and you do a serve week um, about every... Dylan, help me out. How, long, how often do we do serve weeks? Once a month, okay. So there's a serve week once a month. And what we're doing is we're teaching um, our next generation how to be a part and to serve in the church. And so we've got fourth, fifth, and sixth graders that are serving all over the church today. Mateo's on camera right there um, doing an amazing job. So thank you so much for that. Um, Isn't it important to, to teach our next generation how to serve? Amen. Praise God. I wanted to just talk just briefly before I get started today about next level church, and and I believe that we've been talking about taking things to the next level. We've been talking about maturing and and, and growing in the things of God, and pastors been focused on faith through love. And as we have as, as we operate in faith through love, we're growing in our maturity. Um, just some real practical things. If you want to take your church experience to the next level i want to encourage you to do these things so grab your phone pull up your notes app or whatever it may be grab a piece of paper and a pencil i want you to write these things down real quick and i'm going to publish them on social media um later this week but i did not get these to our media team in time for them to be on the screen this week so i apologize for that but next level church Um, I'm going to ask you to do four things before you even come to church. If you want to take your church experience to the next level, do these four things before you come to church. Number one, pray that your mind be open to receive and understand what God has for you. Pray that your mind be open to receive and understand what God has for you. See, Paul prayed that for the church. He said, I pray that the mind, that, that the uh eyes of their understanding be enlightened, that they may know what the hope of the calling is. Um, And that's what we're doing. We're saying, God, I pray that my mind be open to receive and to understand. We can hear, but if you don't understand, then it doesn't do you any good. So we're going to ask God just to help us out today. Isn't it great that he gave us the Holy Spirit as our helper? Right? Amen. So then we're going to pray that you will have supernatural joy in the presence of God. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but you come to church, and I've experienced this, that you come to church, that, and, and sometimes you just don't really feel like being there. Sometimes you come to church, and... You just kind of going through the motions because it's what you're supposed to do, right? And, but I want you to pray and be active in saying, I want a supernatural joy in the presence of God. And the amazing thing about supernatural joy is it means that I can have joy even when things on the outside are going bad. God gives me joy to strengthen my spirit, right? Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? Amen. I want you to pray that the hearing of the Word of God will cause you to crave more of the Word of God. Amen? The Bible says that we taste and we see that the Lord is good. Once you taste something that's good, you want more of it. You didn't know that you, want, that you even um, would, would crave that before you tasted it. But once you taste it, you're all, ooh, girl, that is good right there, right? So you want to have some more of it Pray that the hearing of the word will cause you to crave more of the word of God. And then pray that you will have the opportunity to strengthen someone else while you're here. Amen? How many know that church isn't just about you? And it's not just about coming and sitting in the seat. It's about that conversation that you had outside. It's about that handshake that you gave. It's about that hug that you gave. It's about that connection that, that you made. I don't know sometimes who's struggling and who's having a hard time, but just that conversation, maybe after the conversation, I still don't know. I, don't, I can't even tell you the amount of times that I've received a text message or a call or a Facebook message where somebody said, Hey, Pastor Jason, uh, uh, you didn't know this, but we had a conversation outside and you just encouraged me so much. Just you coming over and saying, hey. But I can tell you this, that it's not just me having that conversation with somebody else. Sometimes it's you having that conversation with me that strengthens me, that encourages me, that helps me to go on. So pray for those opportunities. Number one, pray that your mind be open to receive and understand what God has for you. Number two, pray that you'll have a supernatural joy in God's presence. Number three, pray that the hearing of the word will cause you to crave more of the word of God. And number four, pray that you will have the opportunity to strengthen others as they strengthen you. Now, you don't have to write these down, but I'm going to give you a few practical things to be active in church to get more out of your church experience. Number one, this is a hard one. Get here early. You're like, bro, you know that I'm not early for nothing. I get it. I know. Get here early. Why? Because it's important to engage in community. Amen? Amen. Praise God. How are we going to strengthen each other if we don't see each? Number two, build an excitement in your heart in the minutes before church starts. Build an excitement in your heart. We play countdown music. We want that to be up music. Why don't we play that? Hey, it's getting ready to start. Let's build anticipation for what God has for us. I want you to actively allow walls to come down as you worship. You're like, well, I'm just, I'm just not like that, man. I don't like, I, I, I'm not real demonstrative. I don't like do all that stuff. It's okay, we're not all the same. Sometimes I have to remove myself, and you'll even see me do that from time to time when I'm worshiping and I don't have a guitar strapped around my neck. Uh, I'll go off, maybe to the side or something, and I'll be like, "Okay, I, I just gotta, I gotta clear my head a little bit, and I gotta allow God to be God." I have to break down those walls, and sometimes I have to actively do it. Break down walls as you worship. Build an anticipation in your heart. See, I told you that announcements have their place. Build an anticipation in your heart during giving and announcements. Today, we're going to be talking about A faith imagination, all right? We're going to be talking about a faith imagination. I want you to build an anticipation in your heart, imagining what God is going to do through this gift that I'm giving, what God is going to do at the men's night, at the women's night. I want you to build an anticipation about what God's going to speak to me through the church social media that I just now found out that we even had. What God is going to do through all of these things, you're building anticipation in your heart. And then you're going to engage in preaching, both verbally and by taking notes. Man, I'm not really a note taker. Okay, that's fine. Pull it out anyway. If God speaks something to you, if you think something's good, write it down. Put it in your notes app, whatever it may be. You know what that does? It causes you to listen for something that I want to write down, right? And then you don't zone out. I don't know about you, but I zone out sometimes on stuff. But it helps you to not zone out. It helps you to be engaged. And you can talk back to me too, um, especially if it's positive. And then, uh, but I do have to turn off my notifications when I preach because um, we've got people that think they're funny. And, yeah, well, when we're given an invitation, pray for others. I don't even, I don't, I don't care if you're also being prayed for. How many know that your healing is established whenever you're able to also reach out to somebody else? Amen? So as we're praying and as we're giving invitation, pray for people. We've got people watching all over the world today via broadcast. Pray for them. Amen? And then what else happens in church, at least at Word of Life? We have a closing song. What happens during the closing song? God, I thank you for what has taken place today in my heart and in this church. God, I thank you that I get to go out now and I get to experience a more full life in you because of what you have shown me. So God, bring people across my path that I can share your love with this week. Isn't that good? Man, you got a lot to do today. And so let's get going. How about we just open with prayer? Father God, We thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your love today. We thank you for your acceptance, that today your favor is on me because of Jesus. God, we thank you today that you sent us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. So today we do our part, and I pray for my mind to be open and for my heart to understand what you are speaking to me today. And so God, as my part today, I pray that my speaking and my preaching would not be of words of man's wisdom, but it be with the demonstration of the spirit and of power that no one's faith stands in the wisdom of a man, but it stands in the power of God. And God, we give you thanks and praise. In the name of Jesus, everybody say it, amen, amen. We're talking about faith and how we are to live faith through love, amen, amen. Praise God, we're supposed to be living faith through love. And God began to reveal some things to me towards the end of last year and building an anticipation in my heart. And let me just say this, that I've been preparing this message for two and a half months. All right? So it's going to be good. I don't think it's going to be long, uh, but I get two weeks for it. And, uh, but there's, about, there's a lot of weeks that I could do. But we're going to do two weeks on it. And we're gonna talk about faith. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk about faith. Faith, the definition of faith is just simply a belief. It's a persuasion. It's a conviction based on the things that you've heard. The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And as we hear the Word of God, we accept it as truth for us. We believe it in our hearts. Then faith begins to build. I would also say that not only does faith come by hearing the Word of God, but faith grows by hearing the Word of God. So as we continue to hear that over and over and over again, and then it's proven out in our life, baby steps, right? And we begin to rehearse the goodness of God. Then that begins to grow stronger and stronger and stronger in our life. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen? Amen? Amen. See, I believe also this, that I can have strong faith in one area and I can have weak faith in another area. Because maybe in one area, because of my personal experiences, because of where I've seen God work, then I'm super strong. But maybe in another area, I'm weak. Maybe in another area, I need to gain more knowledge. When we began this 21-day fast, we told you this, and we purposed in our hearts that we were going to desire a greater revelation of who God is. See, I believe that the beginning of faith is knowing that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again, and that work completed everything that it took for me to have peace with God, for me to stand in the favor of God. See, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he said, it is finished, he meant that the requirement to bring God and man together was done. Whenever we got our, our um, new, it's not up there, it's not anywhere, from here, we see it out there all over the place, the, the designer um, that, that we had worked with to, to do that design, he sent a, a form right here, and he sent a description, and he said, as I was doing this, God impressed on me to use the color purple. And he said, in the color purple, it's made up of two different colors. It's made up of blue, and it's made of red. And you put blue and red together, and you make purple. Well, in the Scripture, we see blue as symbolic of life or humanity, physical. And we see red as symbolic of divinity or God or love, And as you add blue and purple together, blue and red together, it makes purple, meaning all of man is infused with all of God, never to be separated again. As we look at this, it's not just a color, but it's reminding us that from here, it's not just me anymore and God anymore. It's us together, infused together, that we go on from here, and we begin to take over the things that had tried to take over us, amen? The things that had divided and separated are no longer, but we are together, amen? Praise God, praise God. I love that, when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, you are being prophetic right now through design, amen? All I gave him I, I, just in, 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 all, um, in all honesty, I knew that he's uh, a Christian, he's a follower of Christ, maybe he's watching today, um, but I needed a designer for my company and I hired him, he's out of Lubbock. And um, so I called him and I gave him a scripture and I said, hey, I've got this scripture, here's my theme, come up with a design for me. And then he gave me this and the power of God was just all over it, I could not believe it. I love how God works, amen? Don't you love how God works? See, that's faith. We're moving in faith. We're saying it's no longer the separation, but I have totally embraced this idea that Jesus Christ finished the work, and I've totally embraced it, and it's all of me now, and so every day as I walk, I hope I walk more in the fullness of what that is, of the understanding of what that means for me. In Hebrews chapter 11, in verse number 8, it says this. By faith, Abraham obeyed. I love, we could stop right there. By faith, Abraham obeyed. How many know that sometimes to obey takes some faith, right? By faith, Abraham obeyed. He obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive. Say he would receive. He hadn't received it yet but he would receive Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place that he would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going right there it disqualifies many of us because if we don't know where we're going we're not going right I got to know the end what am I doing what's my direction God what's the end game here See, the scripture says that his plans for us are good, right? But a lot of times we're like, I'm not going unless I, know, unless I know where I'm going, unless I know all my steps. By faith, Abraham, because he trusted God, he went to the place that he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt. Say, by faith, he dwelt. What does that mean? It means that he made his home. He made his home in the land of the promise, as in a foreign country. What's next? Then he said, He dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob, those were his sons, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. See, Abraham made his home in the promise even though he didn't see the promise yet. By faith, Abraham got up and he moved and he went and made his home in a place that he didn't even fully understand yet because God had spoken to him and told him to move. See, we need to start making our home. And so I have a, a, a a little temporary home set up here. And uh, about the only thing I don't have here that would be a necessity is like a, like a refrigerator. Um, I mean, I guess you would need a restroom, but that would be weird to put up here. And, uh, and I would have to have a TV of some sort because football, you know. And, but we've, we've got a, a little temporary home. See, it's, it's like this. Instead of home sweet home, it's, it's home sweet promise home sweet promise, because I've made the promise my home. I've made the promise my home. Today we're going to talk about visualizing the promise and living in the promise. Abraham lived in the promise before he could see the promise. I would argue this, and we're going to show it through Scripture, that God has always lived in the promise, he always lives in the promise, and his best and fullest for you is living in the promise. That God has put a promise to you for you and your life. He has, he has laid out a plan for you, and he wants you to live in the promise. Amen? Say, live in the promise. Say it again. Live in the promise. We need to start thinking promise. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 7. We're going to read all the way through verse 15, so we're going to be here for a minute. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, But the things that were gained to me, this is Paul talking, the things that were gained to me, these I have counted as loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also counted all things loss. For the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Sorry, side note. You know what I just realized? I said I don't have a TV. That's why she put the TV here. Isn't that good? Yeah, Jasmine, we do need you. We miss you. (laughs) But the things that were gained to me, I counted as loss, for Christ yet indeed I counted all of those things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count next verse them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him those are powerful words right there and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now this is where it gets super good. It was good before, but this is where it gets great. Verse 10, that I might know Him. Next one. It says, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death if by any means I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul's whole vision here is that I may know him. We're talking about revelation and a growth in revelation. He says that I may know him, that I may know the power of his resurrection. My prayer is God, show me more about the power of the resurrection of Jesus. What did that mean to me in my life, in my daily struggles, in the things that I go through, and the things that I may face? What is the power of the resurrection? Because if Jesus said it is finished when he died and then he rose again, free from all of those things and all of those weights and sins if he rose again free from that curse then i need to know what i rose again from when i say jesus come into my life and i was raised to life with him and so i need to know what is the power of his resurrection and if i'm experiencing any kind of loss, if I'm experiencing any kind of discouragement and defeat, if I'm experiencing those things, then I have to look at myself and say, did Jesus experience those? And if he didn't, then I need to know the power of his resurrection. I need to know what he did for me. I need to know the price that he paid for me. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, Verse 12, not that I have already attained. See, Paul here, he's saying, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I'm saying right here, I, I'm not there yet. You're not there yet, but we're on this journey together. Not that I've attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that which Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I love this, I forget the things that are behind me. Guys, we all have a story. Every single one of us have a story. We all have a past. We all have have some ugly. We all have some good. You're like, man, well, if you would have known me back then, oh, I heard the stories. Yeah, yeah, some of you, maybe you're talking about yesterday. If you didn't know me yesterday, I know. I don't know everything. He does. But he said, forget the things that are behind you. See, you're not ruled by those things. You're not ruled by those things that are behind you, but we forget the things that are behind us. And we press on. We reach forward toward the things that are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. Therefore, here's an important word, therefore, all of us that are mature... We've been talking the last couple of weeks about maturity and growing, as many of us that are mature have this same mind. And if anything is in you, if anything in, what did it say? I can't read you guys. If anything in you think otherwise, something like that, Um, if anything, I'm adding words, if in anything, there we go, you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. Mature. Three things that the mature do. Write these down. Three things that the mature do. Number one, I don't know if we have them up here or not. Number one, the mature recognize that it's about Christ and not them. The mature recognize that it's about Christ and not them. If you want to go next level, the mature recognize it's about Christ and not about them. Number two, the mature desire to grow in their understanding of identification with Christ's Death, burial, and resurrection. See, that's faith. The mature desire to grow in their understanding of identification with Jesus. Death, burial, and resurrection. Number three, the mature continually press in the pursuit of Jesus. Continually press in the pursuit of Jesus. In a chapter previous in in Philippians Chapter 2, verse 5, it says this. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. If we think about Jesus being the Word made flesh, right there with God at creation, right? The Trinity, with God at creation. He's seen it all, set at the right hand of God. Jesus comes to earth, right? As a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes and born in a manger. People come over and visit him. We've got shepherds and angels singing at his birth. I don't know if angels sang at your birth. I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't there. I was at Connor's birth, and the angels didn't sing at Connor's birth. Connor said, angels sang at his new birth. Amen? But I don't know. I mean, there weren't shepherds that were visiting. And when Jesus was born, shepherds were there. Wise men traveled forever. The little drummer boy was playing his drum. I'm kidding, you guys. That was hilarious. That wasn't even a plan line, but I thought of it like a minute ago, and I was waiting for it, and I was getting excited about the delivery, and you just, it just did nothing. I expected people to be like falling out under the power of God with laughter. I don't know. I thought that was going to start revival, but I, I was wrong. Guys, there was fanfare when Jesus was born, right? If anybody can make himself a reputation, right? Right? He made himself of no reputation. He could walk in and say, don't you know who I am? But he made himself of no reputation. It says he took the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness, I think is the next word, of men and being found in the appearance as a man, again, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has exalted him. Why did God exalt him? Not because he was Jesus. God exalted him because he made himself of no reputation. God exalted him because he humbled himself to the form of a servant. You want to be exalted today? Humble yourself. You want to be exalted? Make yourself of no reputation. See, it's not my reputation that even matters. It's God's reputation, right? That's why I can forget my past, because I had a reputation. Anybody have a reputation? right? There was a reputation associated. Maybe our reputation wasn't so good, but he made himself of no reputation. Maybe your reputation was great. He made himself of no reputation. See, it didn't matter what the past said. It just mattered what the future said. It just mattered whose he belonged to now. Jesus, he made himself of no reputation. He said, it's all about God. It's not about me. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, to the death of the cross, therefore God exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow of those in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, I have the ability today to dwell in the promise because of Jesus. I have the ability today to dwell in the promise because Jesus was obedient to the cross and he gave me access to the promise. Without access to the promise, I can't dwell in the promise. But Jesus made himself of no reputation. He was obedient to the cross. He was able to say it is finished because he finished the job. And then he rose again miraculously by the glory of God. And today I can be identified in his death. I can be identified in his burial. And I can be identified in his resurrection and be one with the sacrifice that finished it all because he loved me so much. He gave me access to the promise. The only reason that I can say definitively home sweet promise is because Jesus gave me access to the promise. Amen? Amen. Say Jesus gave me access to the promise. And I can say home sweet promise. You could have said that too. Um, I know it was weird because you thought I was done, thought it was going to be one, then we did two, you hung on pretty good, then there was three. Let's try one more time. I don't even remember what the first two are. Let's just go like this. I can say home sweet promise, all right? One more time. I can say home sweet promise. promise. (laughs) I'm no good at this, you guys. (laughs) This is my first time. Um, So I'm not doing so bad, right? See, we need to start living in the promise, we need to start seeing ourselves in the promise and visualizing ourselves in the promise. Some people would say this that th- this phrase, and maybe you've said it yourself, well, I would have never imagined this happening, or I would have never imagined that happening. James and I were saving it yesterday. I don't know where James is at, I think he's in the broadcast booth. James and I were saying it yesterday about football. I don't know if you guys watch football, but we were watching football, and I said, man, I would have never imagined the Cincinnati Bengals winning this game, right? You're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. It's cool. It's whatever. (laughs) I would have never imagined. But sometimes we say it and we think it about places that God has called us to be. I would never imagine. I would never imagine. Why would you never imagine yourself being successful when you're a child of God? Why would you never imagine yourself? See, I am a child of the Most High God. I am a, a son of the one who called the world into existence, who spoke and there was light. I am a child of the one who gave everything for me. And if I'm the son of God then why would I not imagine myself living in a place of success? Why would I not imagine myself living in total health? Why would I not imagine myself living with all my needs met? Why would I not imagine my mind healthy? Why would I not imagine the best for my children? Why would I not imagine? I heard the phrase the other day, anointed Imagination by a message by a pastor named Mike Todd. And he was talking about an anointed imagination. And so I'm going to totally steal the line anointed imagination because I can't say it any better than that. An anointed imagination. See, I have to resign myself to the fact that every day I need to be anointed in my imagination. I need to be looking ahead and dreaming the way that God dreams about me, His plans and His purposes for me. See, my job in this is to believe. My job is to dream. My job is to tap into that creative power and, and begin to imagine and see myself. And as I do that, then that imagination turns into vision. And as we have vision, then that vision turns into purpose, turns into action, turns into plans and purposes. And my job is to believe. God's job is is the outcome. See, I was thinking about this. Anybody ever seen uh Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory? Not the not the new one, the Johnny Depp, not that. Like the old one, the good one with the grandpa and the I don't know about the I haven't seen the new one. I don't know, but maybe it has that too, but like the little purple dudes and So they have that song, right? It says, "Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination, right? Well, I want to change that just a little bit. Because in my in my temporary home, my home in the promise, I need things that reinforce the message of God. Right? I need things in front of me all the time that are going to remind me of what God has spoken to me. And so I need to remember that it's home sweet promise, that I'm living in the promise, but... But I need, to, I need to say, come with me, and you'll be, right, in a world of, of faith imagination. Because if you're with me, then we're, we're going to be living in a world of faith imagination. Maybe you think, well, bro, you're getting really weird now. Like, I thought, I thought this church was, like, more, like, down to, I didn't think you were going to be all, like, crazy. And we're living in some, like, fantasy world. See, the thing is. That anointed imagination is, is not fantasy. Fantasy is, is fueled by flesh. And I know that some of this, and maybe you're saying, man, are you going to go out and like, and like, claim cars for yourself and all kinds of weird stuff? I'm, I, maybe you have no recollection of that at all. Uh, w- Pastor talked about it a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago. When some of this teaching back in the, the 80s came about, people were doing some weird stuff, man. They were walking around and like they would go to a car lot and lay their hands on the car and say, this car is mine in the name of Jesus. Oh, well, how are you going to pay for it? Well, maybe I'll have a job one day and then I'll be able to, or maybe you'll just give it to me because Jesus said. See, that, that's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. See, when I'm living in a faith imagination, it's not about me. It's not about the flesh. When I'm living in a faith imagination, I see In my imagination, even though I don't know how it comes about, 2,000 souls coming into the kingdom of God through Word of Life Church in 2022. Amen? Because that's the vision that God gave us, and that's what I'm imagining. Amen? I'm imagining that every time we turn on those cameras at 4 in the morning and do, uh, did you hear the animosity in my voice? 4 in the morning and do a Pakistan call. I already have in my imagination that there are people on the other side of that camera being set free. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. I have in my imagination that that I'm leaving a spiritual and a physical inheritance to my children and my children's children. That's why I live in the promise. That's why I live in the promise. See, I live in the promise Because where I'm at right now does not fulfill the desires that God has placed in me because they're bigger than where I'm at right now. And so I have to live in the promise. I have to live in a world of faith imagination knowing that yeah, I'm content with today but I'm pressing forward because God has called me to something greater. And I don't care where you're at in your life today God has called you to something greater. Maybe you say, well, in order to get there, I just got to get my marriage right. You don't understand. You're talking about all this other stuff. But Pastor Jason, my marriage is a mess right now. I want you to live in a world of faith imagination. How are you going to respond whenever your marriage is the way that God has intended it to be? Because it will be because that's what he has spoken over you. How are you going to live when you have that financial freedom that you have been desiring and you've been sowing and sowing? I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I love seed time. I love seed time because I know that seed time leads to harvest time. And if seed time leads to harvest time, then I'm going to reap a harvest on what God has instructed me to sow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I begin to dream. What's that harvest I begin to dream. As I sow, I begin to dream. And I begin to live in a world of faith imagination. It's not a fantasy world. I'm not dreaming about boats and yachts and cars and all that stuff. No, I'm dreaming about visions and plans and purposes that God has placed in my life. And I live in a world of faith imagination that's not fueled by the flesh, but it's fueled by the Spirit. Wrapping up today. I say wrapping up. I got half my notes left wrapping up because that's what the clock says. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number three, it says, by faith, this is good, you guys. By faith, we understand. So we cannot understand this except by faith. But by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen We're not made of things which are visible. By faith we understand. When he says worlds, he's not just talking about what we see physically. He's talking about ages and generations. How many can get excited to know that this generation was framed by the word of God at creation? At creation. We're not a forgotten generation. We were framed by the word of God. This age was was framed by the Word of God. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So we could say this this way. By faith, we have a revelation that the ages present and the ages future were joined perfectly by the words of God. That the things that we now gaze upon just casually were not made by things that are Love this. Illuminated or brought to light. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen were not made by things that were presently in the light. That's what that word visible means. Illuminated. When I looked that up and I saw that word light, that word illumination, it went off inside of my spirit because God gave me this whole picture. Watch this. I believe this, that when the world was created and God moved upon the face of the waters and the earth was without form and void and then God spoke, right? Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, I think it is. And God spoke and he said, let there be light. See, he wasn't just saying, let there be physical light. I also believe that he was saying, let there be light and drive out all darkness because God is light and in him there is no darkness, right? But I believe that the worlds and the ages and you and I and every person that has ever been and every person that ever will be was in the imagination of God. And God was not living in the present, but he was living in the promise and he said come with me and let's be in a world of faith imagination and then it was time to move from imagination into walking this thing out and God said the things that so far had been just in my imagination and had not been illuminated and brought to light it's time for those things to be brought to light let there be light And when he said, let there be light, then the worlds were framed by the Word of God and everything that was in the imagination of God since the beginning of time began to come about. And your steps are ordered by him because he's been planning those for ages and ages and ages and ages. Let there be light. uh, Ephesians. I don't know why I'm so stuck on Hebrews. Maybe it's because pastor was preaching out of Hebrews last week ephesians i don't have i only have like one verse from hebrews this whole time ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 it says awake you who sleep arise from the dead and christ will give you what he'll give you light he'll give you light he's going to bring to pass those things that have been in your imagination but you got to start living in the promise so that you can walk it out you got to be home sweet promise Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See, there will always be those who don't believe. There will always be those as you start living in a world of faith, imagination, that hate on it. There will always be that. I was re-watching recently the Matrix trilogy. And I noticed something in there that really struck me. I'm not going to go way into it. If you haven't seen it, watch it or don't. It's fine. But there's an exchange between two of the characters in the Matrix. And one of them, Commander Locke, is doubting what another one, Morpheus, is saying. And Commander Locke says, Morpheus, not everyone believes the way that you believe. And Morpheus said, it's okay, my beliefs don't require them to. I thought, oh man, that is good. It's okay. You know what? Some people are not going to understand. It's okay. It's all right. You don't have to understand. I don't think of you less. I'm not upset about it. It's okay because my beliefs don't require them to. Because I'm confident. I'm confident in my God. I'm confident. And I don't have to try to prove you wrong. We get this revenge mentality. Well, I'm going to prove them. You don't have to do that. No, just do your thing. Just let God be God. We must start living in a world of faith imagination. I'm almost done. I travel a lot for a lot of different reasons. I travel for, for fun. I travel for business. I travel for government and this last week I was thinking about this as I was as I was packing for a trip to Santa Fe to have some meetings I was thinking you know right now I'm I'm in shorts at that time it's kind of cold today I'm in shorts packing it's hot what did I do I checked the weather what's it like in Santa Fe it's freezing cold. I hate the cold. Don't like to be cold. I live in Carlsbad, New Mexico. We don't like cold. So I, I'm looking at it and I think, okay, well, I need to I need to pack accordingly. See, I don't I don't pack for where I'm at. I pack for where I'm going. I pack for where I'm headed. You know, Today, I'm standing up here, I'm wearing a hoodie, I'm wearing ripped jeans, I look like I painted a house. Whenever we were getting ready to go to Santa Fe, the guy I was traveling with, he texted me and he said, hey, what kind of meetings are we having? How do I need to pack? What do I need to wear? What are you wearing? Well, I don't usually wear a suit for much but I said, well, I'm going to wear either nice jeans. It's a Carlsbad tuxedo, right? Nice jeans and a button-up shirt. I'm going to either wear nice jeans or, like, some kind of slacks or something and a button-up shirt. I said, but I'm wearing Jordans. I'm just letting you know. Like, I don't go to anybody's office that I can't wear Jordans. So um, that's what I'm going to wear. Because I don't, I don't pack for where I'm at. I pack for where I'm going. See, so many times we're stuck in where we're at and we can't get beyond that. We can't get beyond the side of this is my station in life right now. This is where I'm at. But we need to start living in a world of faith imagination. We need to start packing for where we're going, not for where we're at. We need to start preparing for where we're going, not for where we're at. I work out every single day. I know you're like, for real? You work out? I do, but I just started, so have a little grace, all right? I work out every day, but you know why? Because I'm hoping that in the summer when I go to, I don't know where we're going to go, Cancun, someplace like that. When I go, that I look a little better right through here, all right? That's why I'm working out, because I'm preparing for where I'm going, not for where I'm at, You got to cover it up with the baggy shirt, right? I'm not going to wear a hoodie on the beach. (laughs) You got to pack for where you're going. See, this is something, and I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. When I get to a place, and I want to make this point before I move on and close out. When I get to a place, and this is just me I don't know if you do it or not i make it I make it my home, even though it's a temporary home. I got to Santa Fe this week. I set my computer up on the desk, plugged everything in I had all my stuff there so I could sit down and work for a little bit and then i i act, I take my shoes i i I don't pack one pair of shoes you guys i I was gone for three days and I packed three pair of shoes so i I take my shoes out and my bag and I put them there in the closet, and I hang up my stuff and i I make it my home. I make it my temporary home. Sometimes we need to be looking ahead and making it our home. Living in the promise. Just like Abraham lived in the promise. Tiffany and I, ever since we started dating, we started, we got married in 2002, so do the math, 20 years this year. And we started dating, what, 2001? Two, 2000, November of 2000. And ever since we started dating, we dreamed. Um, once we knew that this wasn't going to be a short-term relationship, we started dreaming together, imagining together. We've got a, a box somewhere at the house. You probably know where it's at. I don't. But we've got a box of letters that We would write to each other that talked about some of the things that we're doing now. Some of the things haven't happened yet. Some of the things have changed and adjusted along the way. But the important thing was that we imagined. We dreamed. We believed. What's it going to look like when we do this? What's our our first business going to be? Did you know that that was in our heart 20 years ago? And notice I say first, some people say, man, you're crazy, but it's okay. You don't have to understand, but it's what God's called us to do. I I don't hold it against you. It's not personal. God didn't call you to it. He called me to it. I don't understand your calling maybe, but it's okay. I don't have to. God's called you to it. I believe in you anyway, even if I don't understand. It's always been in the plan for us to have multiple companies. It's always been in the plan. Now, I don't know. I would have to go back and look. I don't know if we have one company that was actually on one of those pieces of paper. Um, but 20 years ago, in 19 years ago, I guess in January of 2003, God gave us a vision for ministry. See, I, I, have, it on my, I have it on my pillow because I want to carry it with me even in my temporary home. To elevate Jesus in us for the world to see. We used to have it on the wall in a room in there, in the youth room. Elevate Jesus in us for the world to see. This is still the plan. This is still the plan. And we're still living in the promise. Because you know what? The world, the world hasn't all seen it yet. The world hasn't all seen it yet the reason why I need to elevate Jesus and not me is because I make myself of no reputation. Why is it important that we elevate Jesus? Because if you can see what Jesus has done in me, man, imagine what he would do in you. Imagine what he could do in you. Elevate Jesus in us for the world to see. But you know what helps with the world seeing? We started broadcasting online and God opened up an amazing door of opportunity where we broadcast today in over 100 countries. To anywhere between 80 and 100,000 people every single Sunday. How does that happen from a little bitty church in Carlsbad, New Mexico? I have no idea. I have no idea. God. But you know why? Because we can begin to imagine what it would look like whenever we begin to elevate Jesus in us. When we begin to elevate Jesus in us for the world to see. So I started packing. I didn't pack for where I was. I packed for where I was going. I started dreaming. I started dreaming. This week, I was dreaming about some things. I was imagining some things, some things that we want to do in business and personally. I was dreaming about them. Those things aren't, I'm not ready to share all those things yet, and that's okay. You got to hold it for a little bit until God says, put light on this, right? So I'm dreaming, and I don't know if you guys have seen the videos I've put out the last couple weeks. But over the last two years or so, two and a half years, I've I've battled with depression and anxiety, and so I've just in the last uh, in the last two weeks felt a release. Some of you knew, and I've shared a little bit, but but. I just felt a release to share a little more aggressively on that. And so as I was dreaming in the area of business and finance and some personal stuff that God has for us, and I'm imagining and I'm dreaming, God said, Jason, I need you to imagine your mental health the same way that you're imagining Your personal business growth. I need you to imagine it the same way because why would you not? Why would you not? The reason I say that today, guys, is because maybe you have an area of your life that you're not imagining, where you're not dreaming. Maybe you have an area in your life that you've accepted the status quo. Maybe you have an area in your life that you've said this is just the way it's going to be, but maybe you have another area in your life where you're dreaming Maybe you have an area of your life that you're imagining. I don't know what it is. I'm not even saying it has to be deep. I want you to tap into that same imagination. Maybe that imagination is about the next truck you're going to buy. It's okay. I want you to tap into that same imagination, and I want you to apply it to the place that you're struggling today. Maybe you're imagining today about that next trip you're going to take, that trip that you're taking in the summer. I want you to begin to dream the same way about your relationship. Maybe you're dreaming today and you're imagining that promotion at your job, but you're having a hard time trusting God and believing that your kids are going to be okay. I want you to start imagining your kids being okay. And that they have the fullness of what God has designed them to do. So you have an assignment. And this assignment goes to me as well as it goes to you. Your assignment today, and I don't know if we have it up here, but your assignment is I want you to write down at least one thing. You don't need to show this to anybody else. If you're married, then you can share it with your spouse, but you don't have to. And I'm not saying that you're keeping things from your spouse at all. I'm just saying sometimes you're not quite ready to talk about what you're imagining. You don't, you don't have it and you don't have the words to say yet, right? I hope that you got that. I said it in a very poor way. I want you to write down at least one thing that you want to begin imagining about. You want to begin dreaming. And then I want you to make some notes and dream about it. I don't care how crazy it is. You're not showing anybody else. I don't care how crazy it is. I don't care how out there it is. It's all right. I just want you to dream. I want you to get it out. See, because that imagination is going to start turning into vision. And the scripture tells us where there's no vision that people are unrestrained. You need to have a vision for every area of your life. I glazed over this in my message, but we'll hit it next week. I want you to start imagining. Make notes. What are you going to do when it happens? last thing and let's have the worship team come up 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 It says for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ see the same God that had the world in his imagination and then spoke it out and brought light to those things that were in his imagination and in his mind, that same God has given you that same ability. He has shown that light in your heart. So you have the anointed imagination of God residing on the inside of you. So start dreaming. It says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're, we're troubled on every side. See, sometimes something that blocks our dreams and blocks our imagination is that we're, we're troubled on every side. He says we're troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Because we're always bearing the body of the dying Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in us. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our flesh. So death is working in us, but life is working in Christ, in you. It says, and we have the same spirit of faith. What spirit of faith? The spirit of faith that took it from imagination to light. We have the same spirit of faith on the inside of us. You having the same spirit of faith, according to what it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. We believe, and therefore we speak. Next week, we're going to talk about getting up out of the place where you're at and moving forward into this world of faith imagination. We're going to talk about seed time. We're going to talk about harvest time and how we work that faith through, through love, right? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love and your acceptance. God, we thank you for your goodness that you've shown to us in Christ. We give you praise. I'm going to ask you today a couple of questions. If we could all keep our heads bowed and eyes closed. This isn't for God. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes we think that we do these things for God. You don't keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for God. We're doing it out of respect for the people around us. Today, if you're in this place, and, or maybe you're watching online, and maybe you don't know God. Maybe you haven't come into that relationship with him. I want to invite you into the family of God. The Bible says this, and this is the simplest way I know to share what Jesus did for you. The Bible says that every one of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. See, we're all in the same boat. Every one of us have messed up. The Bible also tells us that the wages or the price that has to be paid for sin is death. But then, the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life. So what Jesus did is he came as the the only person who has never committed a sin, and he said, I want to pay the price of death for everybody who sinned because I don't have a price to pay on my own. And so Jesus died, and he took on your sin, and he took on my sin. And when he died, he fulfilled the requirement of death that we all had to pay, but he did it for you and me. But then Jesus, he was dead for three days, and he was in the grave, And when he was in the grave, his spirit went to hell because he died on behalf of sin, right? And his spirit went to hell, and he took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and then he rose again, victorious without all of that. And today, when we say, Jesus, I I believe that you died and paid the price that I couldn't pay, and I believe that you rose again, And when you ask him to come into your life, he does. And what happens then is you accept that gift of death that he gave for you. And you accept the life that he gave you in his resurrection. So I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And I'm going to ask every person in here to pray it with us as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. See, we don't have to pray alone, we're a family. If you're watching online, join us. Pray this prayer with us. If you're a Christian, then you're joining together with so many others. And if you're not, just wait a couple minutes, and then you're going to be welcome to the family. So let's pray this. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you that he paid the price that I couldn't pay. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe that he died for me. And I believe that he rose again. And today, Jesus, I ask you into my life to help me and change me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen